Letter six of Letters Written During a Short Residence in Sweden, Norway, and Denmark. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Letters Written During a Short Residence in Sweden, Norway, and Denmark by Mary Wollstonecraft. Letter 6. The sea was boisterous, but, as I had an experienced pilot, I did not apprehend any danger. Sometimes, I was told, boats are driven far out and lost. However, I seldom calculate chances so nicely. Sufficient for the day is the obvious evil. We had to steer amongst islands and huge rocks, rarely losing sight of the shore, though it now and then appeared only a mist that bordered the water's edge. The pilot assured me that the numerous harbours on the Norway coast were very safe, and the pilot boats were always on the watch. The Swedish side is very dangerous, I am informed and the help of experience is not often at hand to enable strange vessels to steer clear of the rocks which lurk below the water close to the shore. There are no tides here, nor in the Katagota, and what appeared to me a consequence, no sandy beach. Perhaps this observation has been made before, but it did not occur to me until I saw the waves continually beating against the bare rocks, without ever receding to leave a sediment to harden. The wind was fair till we had to tack about in order to enter Laurvig, where we arrived towards three o'clock in the afternoon. It is a clean, pleasant town, with a considerable ironwork which gives life to it. As the Norwegians do not frequently see travellers, they are very curious to know their business, and who they are. So curious that I was half tempted to adopt Dr. Franklin's plan when travelling in America, where they are equally prying, which was to write on a paper for public inspection my name, from whence I came, where I was going, and what was my business. But if I were importuned by their curiosity, their friendly gestures gratified me. A woman coming alone interested them, and I know not whether my weariness gave me a look of peculiar delicacy, but they approached to assist me and inquire after my wants, as if they were afraid to hurt, and wished to protect me. The sympathy I inspired, thus dropping down from the clouds in a strange land, affected me more than it would have done had not my spirits been harassed by various causes. By much thinking, musing almost to madness, and even by a sort of weak melancholy that hung about my heart at parting with my daughter for the first time. You know that, as a female. I am particularly attached to her. I feel more than a mother's fondness and anxiety when I reflect upon the dependent 
and oppressed state of her sex, I dread lest she should be forced to sacrifice her heart to her principles, or principles to her heart. With trembling hand I shall cultivate sensibility and cherish delicacy of sentiment, lest, whilst I lend fresh blushes to the rose, I sharpen the thorns that will wound the breast I would fain guard. I dread to unfold her mind, lest it should render her unfit for the world she is to inhabit. Hapless woman, what fate is thine? But whither am I wandering? I only meant to tell you that the impression, the kindness of the simple people, made visible on my countenance, increased my sensibility to a painful degree. I wished to have had a room to myself, for their attention and rather distressing observation embarrassed me extremely. Yet, as they would bring me eggs and make my coffee, I found I could not leave them without hurting their feelings of hospitality. It is customary here for the host and hostess to welcome their guests as master and mistress of the house. My clothes in their turn attracted the attention of the females, and I could not help thinking of the foolish vanity which makes many women so proud of the observation of strangers as to take wonder very gratuitously for admiration. This error they are very apt to fall into when, arrived in a foreign country, the populace stare at them as they pass. Yet the make of a cap or the singularity of a gown is often the cause of the flattering attention which afterwards supports a fantastic superstructure of self-conceit. Not having brought a carriage over with me, expecting to have met a person where I landed, who was immediately to have procured me one, I was detained whilst the good people of the inn sent round to all their acquaintance to search for a vehicle. A rude sort of cabriole was at last found, and a driver, half-drunk, who was not less eager to make a good bargain on that account. I had a Danish captain of a ship and his mate with me. The former was to ride on horseback, at which he was not very expert, and the latter to partake of my seat. The driver mounted behind to guide the horses and flourish the whip over our shoulders. He would not suffer the reins out of his own hands. There was something so grotesque in our appearance that I could not afford shrinking into myself when I saw a gentleman-like man in the group which crowded around the door to observe us. I could have broken the driver's whip for cracking to call the women and children together, but seeing a significant smile on the face, I had before remarked, I burst into a laugh to allow him to do so too, and away we flew. This is not a flourish of the pen, for we actually went on full gallop a long time, the horses being very good. Indeed, I have never met with better. If so good, post-horses as in Norway, they are of a stouter make than the English horses, appear to be well fed, and are not easily tired. I had to pass over, I was informed, the most fertile and best cultivated tract of country in Norway. The distance was three Norwegian miles, which are longer than the Swedish. 
The roads were very good, the farmers are obliged to repair them, and we scampered through a great extent of country in a more improved state than any I had viewed since I left England. Still, there was sufficient of hills, dales, and rocks to prevent the idea of a plain from entering the head, or even of such scenery as England and France afford. The prospects were also embellished by water, rivers, and lakes, before the sea proudly claimed my regard, and the road, running frequently through lofty groves, rendered the landscapes beautiful, though they were not so romantic as those I had lately seen with such delight. It was late when I reached Tonsberg, and I was glad to go to bed at a decent inn. The next morning, the 17th of July, conversing with the gentleman with whom I had business to transact, I found that I should be detained at Tonsberg three weeks, and I lamented that I had not brought my child with me. The inn was quiet, and my room so pleasant, commanding a view of the sea, confined by an amphitheatre of hanging woods, that I wished to remain there though no one in the house could speak English or French. The mayor, my friend, however, sent a young woman to me who spoke a little English, and she agreed to call on me twice a day to receive my orders and translate them to my hostess. My not understanding the language was an excellent pretext for dining alone, which I prevailed on them to let me do at a late hour for the early dinners in Sweden had entirely deranged my day. I could not alter it there without disturbing the economy of a family where I was as a visitor, necessity having forced me to accept of an invitation from a private family. The lodgings were so incommodious. Amongst the Norwegians I had the arrangement of my own time, and I determined to regulate it in such a manner that I might enjoy as much of their sweet summer as I possibly could. Short, it is true, but passing sweet. I never endured a winter in this rude clime. Consequently, it was not the contrast, but the real beauty of the season which made the present summer appear to me the finest I had ever seen. Sheltered from the north and eastern winds, nothing can exceed the salubrity, the soft freshness of the western gales. In the evening they also die away. The aspen leaves tremble into stillness, and reposing nature seems to be warmed by the moon, which here assumes a genial aspect. And if a light shower has chanced to fall with the sun, the juniper the underwood of the forest, exhales a wild perfume, mixed with a thousand nameless sweets, that soothing the heart, leave images in the memory which the imagination will ever hold dear. Nature is the nurse of sentiment, the true source of taste, yet what misery, as well as rapture, is produced by a quick perception of the beautiful and sublime, when it is exercised in observing animated nature, when every beauteous feeling and emotion excites responsive sympathy, 
and the harmonized soul sinks into melancholy or rises to ecstasy just as the chords are touched like the aeolian harp agitated by the changing wind but how dangerous is it to foster these sentiments in such an imperfect state of existence and how difficult to eradicate them when an affection for mankind a passion for an individual is but the unfolding of that love which embraces all that is great and beautiful when a warm heart has received strong impressions they are not to be effaced emotions become sentiments and the imagination renders even transient sensations permanent by fondly retracing them i cannot without a thrill of delight recollect views i have seen which are not to be forgotten nor looks i have felt in every nerve which i shall never more meet the grave has closed over a dear friend the friend of my youth still she is present with me and i hear her soft voice warbling as i stray over the heath fate has separated me from another the fire of whose eyes tempered by infantine tenderness still warms my breast even when gazing on these tremendous cliffs sublime emotions absorb my soul and smile not if i add that the rosy tint of morning reminds me of a suffusion which will never more charm my senses unless it reappears on the cheeks of my child her sweet blushes i may yet hide in my bosom and she is still too young to ask why starts the tear so near akin to pleasure and pain i cannot write any more at present to-morrow we will talk of tonsberg end of letter six